0: By Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.
1: Welcome to Game Over Montreal. It was not the game that we expected that we would get at the beginning of the game there. After the first period, it looked like this was going to be a low-scoring, high-event game with both teams trading chances. But at the end of the day, the Devils didn't trade chances in the last 40 minutes. They just took them all. And it's easy to look at this game and say, you know, everything went wrong with for the Canadians in the last 40 minutes and they didn't play very well. And you know, that whole Marty St. Louis play until the last moment of the game didn't really appear, but I feel like there's a lesson to take from this game specifically because the devils are so good. So uh, we got a great show tonight. We're going to talk about the devils. We're going to talk about the Canadians. We're going to talk about why the devils are so good. Who was actually good. We're going to talk about hockey fashion with uh, the reverse retros making their de- debut tonight, but uh, we've got a great guest. With Max Van Hood, and uh, of course, you want to bet? You can do it at Sports Interaction Canada Sportsbook. Football continues, basketball's back, and the hockey season's well underway. Bet pre-game, live in-play, or on one of our many prop bets, like whether or not Cole Caulfield, who's a little cold right now, will hit 50 goals this year. Made for Canadians by Canadian Sports Interaction, it makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. Ontario only, 19 plus. Please play responsibly. All right, I'm going to welcome in our guest for tonight. As you have so eloquently dubbed him the coffee man. How's it going?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Andrew, if I had a buck for every coffee joke I heard in my life, I would be a millionaire, maybe to buy the Ottawa Senators, but I'm doing good. <laughs> how are you doing?
1: Oh, I'm doing great. You know, I, I feel like as much as this game was not as enjoyable to watch overall as the first period was, just watching it from the perspective of seeing what the devils have built here and seeing how good they are, I saw a flash of the future a little bit, I think, because... This is where I want to start, because I want to start things off on a positive note, even though it was a loss. And and for those joining us here, make sure, if you like this show, that you uh, share it with your friends. And heck, share it right now on, on Twitter. If you're a Devils fan and you want to talk some shit, get your buddies in here. Share it on Twitter. Share it on Facebook. I don't care. We'll have fun with you guys. I know Devils fans are spicy, because Adam Wilde talked shit about you before the season started, and every Game Over stream involving the Devils has been pretty spicy in the chat. Bring it on. And uh, Canadians fans, let's get it going. Share this show on your social media. Let's get as many people in here as possible because it's, when it's a sad show, you get catharsis together. And when it's a fun show, you have fun together. So let's get it going. All right. But uh, I, I looked at the Devils and how aggressive they are uh, offensively, how solid they are defensively. Specifically, the thing that stuck out to me was sticks in lanes, aggressive positioning, and yeah. just as soon as they get the puck, it's like bang, bang, bang there's passes through the middle all the time guys in the right spots. And you could not make a mistake against this team without them capitalizing. And they made a lot of mistakes this this game. And I feel like it's easy to say like the Canadians puck management was terrible tonight, which it was, but I feel like the devils forced that because they were so good at getting sticks and lanes.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. There are a few things with the devils. Um, there of course there are these teams that have superstars right you think of the colorado avalanche you think of the Edmonton oilers if you look, go back a little further of course the the pittsburgh penguins the and the washington capitals and tampa bay lightning but i feel like there has been um like another uh, range of teams that do not have this like a grade franchise borderline generational player and I did not mention the Toronto Maple Leafs that was not I, I, that was not to take a diss at the least I just forgot to be honest um, but you know I, I mainly I think of the Carolina Hurricanes to me what Rod Brandamore did with the Carolina Hurricanes these past few years needs to be added to the template of what you want to replicate as a, a successful hockey teams because you can draft first overall and not get Connor McDavid. You can draft high many years and not necessarily get Leon Draisaitl third overall or Mitch Marner turtle fourth. Uh, fourth, I think he was drafted uh, Draisaitl this year. Uh, not Draisaitl. I'm sorry, uh, Marner. Um, but you have a, a good mix of quality and quantity. And I was curious to see the Devils tonight because I caught some glimpse, uh, glimpses of the Devils so far this year, but I am not. Um, sat down and look at a full New Jersey Devil game this year. And what we saw tonight, I was really, really impressed. And the Habs did not necessarily brought their A game tonight, but sometimes you need to look at what they're facing. And tonight they were facing a team that you said it, uh, at good forecheck. You you talked about the sticks uh, lane on defense. That was great too. And they have a lot. uh, It's Hughes, it's Isher, it's Jesper Brett. They have a lot of players that are not necessarily the first name that comes to mind when you think of superstars. They are really, really good hockey players, and that makes a quality team. They, they're playing together. They're well-coached by Lindy Ruff, and they're kind of where I thought the Ottawa Senators might be at the start of this season, and right now even further with that 10-game winning streak now.
1: Yeah, I mean... Talk about destroying the narrative of the Ottawa Senators. The rebuild is over. I don't think the, the New Jersey Devils were anywhere near as confident heading into this season. They didn't, you know, pronounce anything, right? And they are night and day compared to last season. I know that like Jack Hughes took steps. Uh, Nico Heischer, I, I guess you could say he took steps, but he's been really good for a long time. It's just that he was never healthy, right? He, he always had something bothering him or yeah. missing games. So I, I read I somewhere that his year and Hughes had only played something like 11 games together last year or something like that. I don't know if that's, that's right, but it, it feels right compared to seeing how they play on the same team right now. Right. And it's just that one, two punch that is absolutely killer. And, you know, Jake Allen, I think did his absolute damnedest to keep this game within reach. And when you're stopping the first and second and third shot, and then there's a fourth shot to deal with, can't really be blamed on that one, but, the Devils are an absolute wagon. <laughs> like they are so fast. And I love what you talked about with like the qu- the quantity and the quality, but it's just every player on that team seems to be on the same page. They're completely in sync in what they need to do to create goals. And it- it's those like little plays that create odd man rushes or like odd man situations deep in the zone that they're so good at executing. Everyone knows where their, their line mates are going to be, where they're going to go. And they have no hesitation going to the net. And if the yeah. Montreal Canadians come out of this game and their takeaway is that's what St. Louis wants to build towards every Montreal Canadiens fan should be very happy.
0: I agree with you. I totally agree with you um and you talked about the about Jake Allen tonight uh, the fourth goal and so <laughs> i was laughing poor i was like come on poor Jake Allen there's nothing more frustrating for a goalie you make the first save you make the second save slash just poke check on it and then you're like all right guys now it's your turn just get the puck out of here and it, the puck goes in the back of the net and you can actually see him looking at there are four players in front of him and you can see him like i'm sure he said nothing because jake allen seriously is one of the best guys around you can see it in his interviews and all that he's an appreciated guy that's why he won the the jean béniveau trophy and uh, you can see that he's like oh come on guys really so it yeah. was one of those nights that i would have been curious to see the scoreboard had it not been for Jake Allen tonight. Because there were moments in the game where it was going really, really fast for the half. Actually, I'm curious to hear about this. Um, Particularly about uh, in the second period, there was a small stretch before the third goal where it looked like maybe the Canadians were going to get back into it. And I don't know if you'll agree, it kind of looked like a basketball game. And I think it was the Devils pushing this. They are so fast on the, I guess what we could call a fast break offense in basketball. And for like a, a short stretch of four minutes, it was offense, offense, offense on both sides of the game. Almost like like three on three. It was really cool to watch. Um, but clearly, you could see by the result of the game that the Devils were pushing for that. And that the halves on the other side were only uh, trying to hold on. But a, a, a good bounce here or there. And maybe maybe it was a 2-2-2. Two, two, two. I think it was a Jake Evans on one point on the uh, unman rush that tried to get it back in front of the net. Uh, didn't go in, so like they really. This is where, to me, the game shifted. So this small stretch of three minutes in the second period, but it was really interesting to see how the Devils uh, wanted to go out so quick and get the puck to uh, to the heads net.
1: Yeah, it, it was the I the whole first period I felt was like that, and there there was a stretch in the second as well. It, it's like at even strength, surprisingly, in terms of like expected goals, it was pretty close. The Canes did get some pushback and got some odd man rushes. Like they, especially, I feel like the Monahan line with uh, dadnov and Anderson had some really good stretches. It wasn't until the third that the Devils were like, "All right, cut this crap. <laughs> we're we're holding this lead down." And the Canes couldn't really generate anything. But it was. I feel like the Canes came out of the gate in the first period and they dictated play for the most part in that first period. And then the Devils kind of caught their breath and were like, "You know what? I feel like we're a lot better than this team." It's one of those situations where, you know, if Nick Suzuki doesn't try to make that pass in the odd man rush that he had with Caulfield and he just wires it and scores, or, you know, there was a couple different plays in the first period. How different is the game? But at the end of the day, I feel like the devils were going to continue. They were like a train, right? Slow to get going. And then as it kept going, it was just like a locomotive. You're not going to stop it. There was just chance after chance. Every time they entered the zone was dangerous and, the way that they were able to capitalize on the Canadians poor turnovers was frankly kind of rough. I do want to talk about, because we didn't get to talk about it last time and you yeah. hyped people up that you wanted to talk about the Cooper all's. So let's talk about the reverse met retros for a second. But first, <laughs> before we do that, we got to tell everybody who's watching the show, Hey, hit that like button, help us out. We're slaves to the YouTube algorithm. Unfortunately, that's how we grow this show. So when you like it, when you comment on it, everything, it helps us out. It, Tells people that you're involved with the show. And the fans are part of the show. We interact on this channel. I see you Devils fans who are very, very happy with your team. You deserve every bit of happiness after, like, what, 10 years of misery? You gotta love it. I mean, Jack Hughes, absolutely incredible tonight. So drop us a like. Make sure that you uh, share this show on your social media, both now and after the show, of course. Make sure everybody can enjoy it. But yeah, okay, the reverse retros. The, The baby blue... Expos throwback. I don't love it. It looks okay on the ice, but I think I, I just don't want the Canadians to be blue. It doesn't feel like the Habs.
0: Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. How much time we got? Because you know, I <laughs> love talking about sports action, so I can and I know not everybody's into it, so if I get like if I get too deep into it, it just tell me nerd alert, it's okay, but um I have an issue with both halves of reverse retro and it particularly showed with this one is that um the devil is in the detail without any pun intended with tonight's opponent for a qua for, for a really really quality uniform. Just look at the Washington Capitol reverse retro. And I don't know if you saw the post with all the details on the gloves like they could have just said hey we're wearing black tonight black gloves no they went with, all in on the small gold accent and blue accent and all of this whereas the hat just went like yeah we're wearing wearing blue how, uh, yeah sure it kind of fits with our usual gloves and pants no it didn't <laughs> It looked bad it looked like an ahl hockey team that doesn't have the budget for you know uh, how do you call uh, is it called a girdle in english whether the the thing you put over your uh, your pants uh, I think that's how yeah, you call it. you can it. use girdle. Uh, call it again in French. Yeah, okay. So uh, just put on a girl that switches the red stripe for a baby blue stripe and just get the guys a damn pair of gloves that switch the red for baby blue. And already you go in my book from a C plus to a B plus and that would be cool. Because I, I respect the fact that the Habs is the Habs and they do not want to go too far with those kind of experiment. I can respect that even though like, you can see my hat. I'm a big fan of uh, super crazy branding in sports if it fits the team, but it's okay. It doesn't fit the hat. So they're just modifying their classic uniform. No problem with it. But it looked like, it looked like the Dallas Cowboys. Have you ever realized how the gray on the helmet, the gray on the pants, the blue on the shirt, nothing fits? My my, uh, I don't know. how You say it in English, but my tuck didn't like it. Didn't like it at all. Oh man! And when you don't look good, you don't feel good. And when you don't feel good, you don't play good. Yeah, yeah. I rented about
1: it. <laughs> it. It's not. It's not the best. I feel like the fact, like because they don't mess with it a lot, it's lazy. It's just a color swap. But it just forever remains like mid. Like it doesn't get into disastrous territory. But yeah. like you said, they're not they're not committing to exactly. the to the thing, so it will never ascend. Or it's like teams that actually tried to do cool stuff, like uh, the last set of reverse retros. The L.A. Kings jersey is the best jersey they've ever had, like by far to me. Like the bringing in the purple and gold and bringing in the nineties, like uh, weird Chevy logo. Almost it was so cool looking. I don't think the Canadians are capable of doing that. <laughs> because they're so, you know, traditional. But I will give them one credit. At least they didn't do the stupid thing that a lot of teams did and do, like, a diagonal word thing on the jersey and have, like... Or, like, oh, when yeah. the Sens just put Sens on there. Could you mention a jersey that just says Habs? No, <laughs> it would be no, awful. So, no, at no, least there's to, that. But we should also talk about the Cooperalls because no, I know that you, uh, you, you wanted the Flyers to bring in the Cooperals.
0: Yeah, I know it's uh, illegal uh, to put the Cooper all there's some of uh, the fact. I think uh, the the ice froze on the pants and there. It's literally illegal. But honestly, like this to me, you know, like um, nostalgia uh, is it sells. It's all cool, hundred uh, percent. But like. When I watch it, I'm a bit young for Alls, to be honest. The Cooperall craze was in the 80s. I was born in 91. My dad had a pair of Alls when I was really, really young. But I don't, it didn't mark my imaginary as much as maybe people who are in their early 40s. So for me, when I saw it, it they wore it in the warm-up, right? Um, like Honestly, my reaction was like, yo, the nostalgia is so awesome. It's so freaking ugly. But it's awesome. But I think some people actually really like it. I, I really think it's ugly. But it's like, I don't know, it's like listening to Limb Biscuit in 2022. It's purely nostalgia effect. It didn't age well at all. Like chocolate starfish, hell no. But uh, <laughs> it, I, th- I thought it was it was awesome in a, so bad it's good way. I yeah. guess that's how I would say it.
1: Yeah. I feel like Cooper Rolls just make me think everybody looks like a ref. Ah,
0: uh, That's a good point. That's a very valid point. My girlfriend loves Cooper Roll when I showed it to her. I couldn't believe this because my girlfriend says that hockey uniforms are the worst sports uniform possible because she sees little shorts. She says, uh, the <laughs> hockey players look like boy scouts wearing long socks with small shorts. And I'm like, the hell are you talking about? And when I showed her the Cooper, she was like, yeah, yeah, that, that's great. Do that. That's beautiful. And I was like, oh, oh my God, you got to be kidding. I
1: feel like the the worst, this is just my opinion. I know people will dog on, like, soccer for having the advertisements, but I absolutely hate football jerseys with just the number on the front. All right. like, when, when Dallas did that for, like, the Stars did that for their jersey, I thought it was the worst jersey uh, like, ever created. It was so ugly and boring. Yeah. But hockey, I, I am nostalgic for, like, the early 90s stuff, like the skate jersey in Vancouver, so that's what I'm biased towards, the original Anaheim Ducks. I have one of those. Those are great. Alright, uh, talking about this game, obviously uh, our boy, Evgeny Dadanov finally got off the Schneid. He was another guy who I thought had a really good first period and got rewarded for it in the second on a nice lucky bounce, but uh, we talked about him last time you were on Max, and I thought he was starting to yeah. put things together. You disagreed. Yeah. I feel like he's getting a little bit better again now, but uh, the limited expectations.
0: Yeah, you know, it, it's funny because uh, I do this thing on my radio show on BPM Sports every um, day after a game. So people call in and they give me their first star of the game. I give the whole my beer award, which is basically the Jacques Beauchamp. Somebody who, you know, is not Cole Caulfield or Nick Suzuki, but did something great. And there is, uh, I don't know if you have the same uh, saying in English, but in French, you know, when somebody is so bad, you say to the showers. Au douche." <laughs> so uh, you send the guy, you think he should go straight to the showers. And so far, that was game 16, I think, tonight. Uh, Maybe, uh, yeah, 16, I think, 19, uh, whatever. Uh, So far, uh, almost, not every game, but almost every game, it's been a mixture of Mike Hoffman (laughs) and (laughs) him getting that enough to the shower to the point where it it has become a running joke. So Mike Hoffman got out of the showers these past few games, actually been chilling in the locker room with the rest of the guys. So now uh, my mention, mentions were flooded during the game when enough uh, scored. Everybody were like, oh my God, you have Getty Dadunov got out of the shower. But uh, that would be for him because, you know, I'm joking about Dadunov saying that uh, I don't really like his contribution so far this year. And I mean, for a guy who is an offensive player, um, who has a stat line before the game of 0 I mean, what is there like? I'm not the type yeah. of guy who's going to go, especially for uh, a veteran, like, For a young kid, fine, sure. I'm all good for looking at the expected goals for the Corsi and the progression. But for a guy in Dadanov's place, don't get me started with, yeah, well, actually, he's not that bad. No, 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 no. He he has zero points. That's what he's for. Um, So I I can only be happy if he does bring something to the game because the more Hoffman, the more Dadanov, the more Drew, even Armia will produce, the more complicated it will be for St. Louis to get someone out of the lineup, will create yep. a um, a sane competition, and maybe in the end, get those guys traded for some valuable assets. So I'm glad that if this goal in the wide open net, but I'm not going to diss on that. He was at the right place at the right time. That's exactly where you want him to be. If this is the thing that gets him to a decent points production, well, I, I will be happy uh, about that. But right. it was... About
1: damn time! <laughs> yeah, it was, and frankly, it's the exact same thing that Hyman, or not Hyman, not Hyman. I don't know why I'm thinking about the Oilers. That Hoffman did right when he finally so burst his Hyman. goal streak. He went to the front of the net, picked up a Gallagher rebound, and then he did it again later in the game. So it's that kind of attitude, going to the right spot and and finishing. That's kind of what can get you out of a goal slump. And hopefully, you know, Dedanov starts bringing it a little bit more. And, uh, you know, continuing to go to the net, I thought that he made some good plays tonight, Uh, aside from his goal, especially in the first period. I think everybody kind of looked like crap after the first period, so I don't want to judge anyone super harshly. Uh, As a team, they just were not great. (laughs) You know, we could pick on Cole Caulfield. We could pick on Brendan Gallagher for the turnovers. I know Cole's uh, turnover that ended up in a goal got called back on the offside, but still a bad play. Uh, Gallagher for the fourth goal just horrible puck management, but I don't know if he realized there was nobody behind him, but uh, a lot of that tonight. So I, I, I will commend Marty St. Louis for like, I know that there's a lot of fan frustration towards guys like Hoffman and Dodonov and, you know, continuing to get opportunities while Slavkovsky sits on the fourth line. Yeah. But I, I think that as much as Marty St. Louis is coaching for developing the young kids, he's also coaching for getting these Veteran guys going and putting them in positions where they can succeed if they go to the right spots, and basically telling them like it's gonna be on you if you fail, right? Like if this is all Dodonov can bring for the next like stretch of games, he's gonna be out of the lineup, and maybe the Canadians end up waving him or or something like that, or do like a a buyout that ends up with him back in Russia, where it's like a mutually exclusive or mutually uh, beneficial situation. But continuing to give those guys chances, while it can be frustrating when they're not producing, I think we've seen in a small sample with Hoffman just how how much he's smiling on the ice the last few games and things going well yeah. for him that it can benefit. And if they can get Hoffman to score at a twenty five plus goal pace, Dodonov to score at like around a. 45 to 50 point pace they can move those guys i think come deadline if they retain money on hoffman especially i feel like they can move him so i understand that from saint louis but then again after watching slaff in the third period there where everyone was kind of tentative and trying to find the right play and he just started ripping it on net and almost scored i was like you know what maybe it's time to just let him have some more ice (laughs) time
0: Yeah, and he's probably going to get it because uh, I don't know if you saw this. It just came out three minutes ago, but uh, Drouin is out for four to five weeks. So yeah. uh, that's a tough break for that. Uh, four to six weeks out. Yeah, Injury yeah, suffered uh, against Vegas. Uh, such a tough break for Drouin, really, because, He just started know, getting it going, like, too. Yeah, well, it, story of his life, right? Yeah. Story of his life for Joe Drouin. Um, for the longest of times. Until late last season, like so, there was this uh, this sketch a few years ago on a popular uh, Quebec show called Like Moi uh, that went Je choisis Jonathan it was a hilarious sketch, by the way, with Adil uh, al among among others. And um, so it, this has been a meme for me, like throughout the last three, four season, whenever, like I was always Je choisis Jonathan. I believed in the guy. I really did believe in the guy. You just needed a break in this, but. It has become the story of his life, and I feel really bad for him. I mean, at this point in his career, it is obvious that Jonathan Douin will never be the player expected of him when he was drafted third yeah. overall. But um, I still believe that in the right situation, because one of my main uh, driving factor for or comparative for Jonathan Douin were players like Max Pacioretty and Phil Kessel, who when they were put on the spotlight as the the forward who need to be the guy on the team and in the two biggest market in hockey toronto and montreal uh it, they were not bad at it but you could see that was not in their dnas when max patch went to vegas fish in a tank when uh, phil kessel went to pittsburgh do i even have to uh, talk about it uh, i always felt like maybe this is it for the way maybe he's that type of player that if he is, he Behind a few other players, is going to succeed. Um, I was a bit disappointed so far this year because I was like, "All right, now you have Caulfield and Suzuki, who have all the attention in the world. You have Kirby Doc, um, and it did not show." I, I felt like he showed. Uh, I don't want to say disinterested. I don't. Is that a word in English? Uh, like, but, yeah,
1: yeah, disinterested. Uh, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Things were not clicking for him so far this year. And another injury. Oh man! And I can just already see the comments of people coming in, calling him soft or whatever. But you know, inj- being injury plagued is being injury plagued. It's it's bad for him. But hopefully, guys like Hoffman and Dad enough uh, sees the day. Yeah, it's
1: it's tough for Duran. I feel like he's a guy that, like on a personal level, I I I really like him. He seemed like a guy whose first thing that he did once signing that contract when he was traded to Montreal was to set up a fund for the the Children's Hospital uh, on the French side there. Like, just his motivations were in the right spot. I feel like, especially those first few years, as much as people question things, like, I question him defensively. He's not a very good defensive player. But I feel like the effort was always there. His instincts were just not great, especially when they were pushing him to be a center. You know, that was not a good idea. I feel like that just kind of put the expectations way too high for him to ever live up to. And that's at the fault of Bergevin. I think when he introduced Drouin and the way that he did it, it made it seem like he was going to be like the next superstar of the team. You're trading a guy that you drafted eighth overall who might have been, you know, better than eighth overall and Mikhail Sergachev. It, it doesn't look good. But I think people forget also last season when everybody was brutal at the start of the year with Ducharme, Drouin was he actually was playing fantastic hockey. And then, like now, yeah. he got hurt. Right, it's just such a brutal group of circumstances for him, where you know maybe last year if he stays healthy, people start to accept it. Like, yeah, he's not going to be great defensively, but he puts up you know around a fifty point pace every year. He's a good complimentary winger. He does his job, but it's just this constant trying to recover from being injured. And I know he insisted that his uh, wrist was okay, but he still doesn't seem confident with his shot yeah. anymore. And yeah, it just seems like it's
0: not going to happen for him. Yeah. He's never been the same since the OV's hit. No, actually. never been the same. And this year, this is why like, he, he was doing great, but not great. I'm sorry. He was doing okay on the power play in the position that is really difficult for him. I mean, we all remember to play at the blue line a few mm-hmm. games ago. I think it was the night that I was here with you that played at the blue line. Um, so he was finding a certain niche, uh, that obviously is not the niche we expected out of him, but you know there has been comparison, and rightfully so, with Alex Galchenyuk for so long with Drouin, and I always felt like hey, Galchenyuk had zero hockey sense. Like it's crazy, zero hockey sense for Alex Galchenyuk. I always felt like Drouin at least had had it. You know, had the possibility to at least be a decent. Um, Offensive contributor in a smaller role for a hockey team. There are guys like this. I mean, there are guys who make a career out of this, out of being a 50-point player on a decent to bad hockey team. You need those type of players in the league. Uh, I felt like Drouin was going to be that type of guy. And now on a contract here, I'm starting to think, oh, man, it's starting to smell almost like a PTO mix here for him or something like this. But hopefully uh, when he gets back, he's going to be able to find his groove. But also this is the part that worries me is that so far in his career, coming back from injury has always been a problem for the one. You talked about the start of the season last year. Every time he has an injury, he seems like the type of guy you were talking about a train earlier, about how you need to put on the train on the rail. Uh, the seems like that type of the player. He never goes and starts right away. He's more like Bowser in Mario Kart. You know, he's not like one of those small goes fast right from the start.
1: He needs to build it up. Yeah, absolutely. He needs to build his confidence, you know, and I, I feel exactly. like that's one of those things where, it's good that you have a coach like Marty St. Louis. He's going to, who's going to try to build his confidence, but at a certain point, you know, yeah. Druin going to have to grab the bull by the horns as well. And if he's going to get back into being a productive player, he has to find a way to, to produce those points. Just like the Donov, just like Hoffman, you know, to a lesser extent, just like Armia, we want to see more, you know, just put your head down and go forward. Right. And, you know, that kind of brings me to another guy that I wanted to bring up tonight is uh, where's the Jake Evans of last season. I I'm surprised by how little he's brought to the table this year. I feel like playing with Slavkovsky, he should be contributing a little bit more. I don't think he's been necessarily like really horrible, but the offense hasn't really come at all, and I don't know if he's been that great defensively either.
0: Uh, It's interesting because I had him in my notes because I agree with you on a hundred percent for the start of this season, but I. He was actually one of the players I had in my positive tonight.
1: Yeah, tonight I saw him more.
0: Yeah, I saw him more. I felt like uh, he skated well. You know, Uh, he he has decent speed. Uh, I felt like he was creating stuff. Um, But yeah, I kind of agree with you. Uh, I wouldn't actually. uh, I I have been on board with the idea of putting Slavkovsky on the wing of Sean Monahan. Uh, Because things are going so great on the first line. I do not believe that it's putting too much pressure on Slavkovsky to put him with Monaghan. I think he could learn. But one of the reasons I found myself in this uh, train thought these past few games is because it's not been working with Evans. I felt at the start of the year that actually having Slavkovsky with Evans... You know what? Evans is not your... uh, your average fourth-line grinder who's just there to bring energy. No, he has decent skills. He has really decent skills. And I thought it could be a great uh, start for Slavkovsky. But I agree with you that, um, I don't know, maybe him too, the injuries, did it take a toll? I don't think so. I thought he he came back from the Shifley injury last year pretty decently. So uh, I agree with you. Is it just a case of uh, finding his groove, Mm -hmm. finding his place in this uh, offensive scheme? Uh, Yeah, Maybe. Because, you know, right now, all the the spotlight and the love of everything is so much on the top of the forwards lineup with the the young core and all of those guys. Um, I would have felt that it could be a great situation for Jake Evans. But I agree with you that right now, uh, I think he played 13 minutes tonight. He took two shots on goal. So like I said, tonight, I liked him. That is actually the Jake Evans I want to see tonight. You know, he created a few things. uh, He brought speed to the game. And we have not seen this enough this year.
1: No, we really haven't. there's a couple comments here. Uh, Adam Firebear says, "I really wanted Druin to triumph. I think we all did. I mean, people who watch this show yeah. anyway. I know that he has a share of haters, but uh, I don't think either yes. <laughs> Max or I were ever among them. Like, I think I want everybody on the team to succeed just because it's more entertaining, right? Like, obviously, I think Druin personally. Is we're has lovers, done a lot. Andrew. Yeah, <laughs> we're lovers, not fighters. Yeah. Uh, I thought there somebody was saying that now that Drewn is injured." Uh, they don't have to move or they don't have to lose a defenseman to make room for Matheson. I mean, the Army is also injured, right? So they're gonna have to find yeah. another forward. I don't think they want to play seven defensemen a game. It's not uh, Guy Carbono behind the bench right now, where he would play D'Andino <laughs> and Strite on as forwards on the on the fourth line there.
0: Respect to Mark Strite, my man.
1: Uh, Mark Strite was great. You know what, F- D'Andino also does not get enough respect for how good of a Montreal Canadian he was. That guy was a fantastic skater and surprisingly a decent forward even though he was a defenseman his whole career. But uh, yeah, yeah Dandenault was a great player. Um I will say tonight I thought that Marty Saint-Louis was trying to test Jacques I a bit and a rough test. Oh okay. okay. a lot against you know yeah. the hottest team in the league. But the last few games have convinced me that Jack uh, is going to go down to Laval when uh, Math- uh, Mathson comes back. I think his defense oh, wow. is oh, struggling a little bit and I think they want him to work on some things. I think putting him on the power play also is a hint that they think that he can do more and if they think he can elevate past what he's bringing like as a third pair defenseman, I think it might actually benefit him to play some time in Laval and play some big minutes. I you know they're not going to send down Kovacevic. Uh, they that's said. Right that He was just told to get an apartment. Yeah. Uh, they don't want to lose him on waivers. I don't think Harris is going anywhere, don't think Gooly's going anywhere. And it makes no sense to possibly lose Weidman on waivers when you don't have to, right? So, I think the big man could be down in Laval for a bit.
0: I, uh, you know, what it's a really, really interesting take. I, I think it's Weidman. I think they're gonna ramp up like Chris Weidman, to be honest with you. Um, it would be bold, the kind of level. I would not personally be against it, honestly, really not. Um, but the, the it's a combination of what he has brought to the table. The fact that he is already a fan favorite. That being said, I never want to take that into account at any point in any decision making, but you know, this is Montreal, so it could happen. Uh, but to me, the, the thing I, I'm curious to hear you about is the power play. Cause you know what? I have a, ton of respect for Martin St. Louis, and uh, I said St. Louis, what the heck, uh, Martin <laughs> St. Louis. <laughs> they and, do uh, that I have a ton me. of respect for him, and uh, <laughs> I, I'm not the, yeah, exactly, I, I, I'm not the, the biggest guy to second guess coaches, but with that being said, I'm still trying to understand what the heck is Arbor Jackai on the power play, especially when you have Caden Gulley, you did get 10 seconds of power play tonight for what it's worth, and Jordan Harris, who in my head, both when I think long-term could be option wave one, option wave two on power plays in the NHL. So why are they not the one getting those, uh, those views on the power plays? I know Jakai, I guess has a decent shot, but I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out what is this decision?
1: I'm not sure. I I, originally, like earlier in the season, I was thinking that it might've been the case that they were riding those guys so much at even strength on the pen and the penalty kill that they, felt like it would be like too much to put them on the power play and you know like the the gap between them and Jack Eye offensively is not big enough to like justify giving them extra minutes and maybe losing out in other areas. But I wonder if it is as simple as Jack Eye has a pretty good shot. And he actually made some decent plays tonight as well. Like deked out some guys at the blue line making some risky plays. But I feel like Harris is the guy that they have yeah. to like, <laughs> some 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 tries to on that power play because yeah. he's got that shifty quality and Ghoulie has been getting more and more confident with the puck in the offensive zone there's a few times tonight where he made some power forward goalie. Yeah like it makes sense to get them going and like I look at uh, Jacai and Edmondson so far and I don't know if it's working. Jacai actually led all the Canadians in even strength ice time tonight which is pretty wild and while he was on the ice, wow. they were out chanced 13 to 4, which is not great. High danger chances, yeah. 5 yeah. to 1. You put that up against like Harris and Kovacevic, who the Canadians actually out chanced the Devils 12 9. High danger chances, 5 3. I know they're the third pair, but when they're getting played like the first pair, you got to be a little bit better than that, I think. And he also, the, the penalties, the penalties is an issue. He's got to learn that he doesn't have to prove himself every game, I think. Like if you're going to do something like muck it up after a scrum or like after the whistle where they're not going to call penalties, it, constantly trying to be like the intimidating guy, I think has a drawback. Yeah. When refs know your name now and they know that if you're going to fight somebody, you're going to hurt somebody. So I think oftentimes when he creates those situations, they're like, you know, you're off, just go to the box. And that puts yeah. the team in a tough spot.
0: Yeah. So two things about what you said. First, I'm glad with the numbers you gave, uh, it matched my eye test. So uh, for those who are big eye test people, uh, that was exactly what I was going to bring. I felt like Jackite tonight had a game that was a bit rougher for him. Um, and well, part of the reason, and you've talked about penalties, Jackite right now is like, you know, that that kid in the middle school who is just starting to find out that everybody thinks he's funny. Every girl kind can- of to find him cute he's the first crush of every little girl or a little boy uh in the classroom and so he's kind of he wanted to live he wants to live up to that and suddenly he starts getting detention for not doing anything bad but just you know teachers actually do think he's funny but they're just arbor get the heck out of the class You're, you're you're clowning you're clowning i feel like he's clowning right now He's getting out of position for those things that you talked about. He's getting out of position to try and make the big hit. He's trying to make the comp- – the, uh, getting out of position uh, to make a play that is not the safest play to do, and he is at the stage of his career where all he needs to think about is making the safe play. That's all we want you to do, Arbor. Do the safe play. Give the big hit when you have to give the big hit it and don't take stupid penalties but right now i think it's uh uh, uh, uh stephan has a lot of job to do to get him and say hey arbor like we love you you, you you're not going anywhere you're go- getting your minutes stop uh in french we say Je you know like uh trying to be look at me look at me uh, i guess would be uh, some kind of decent translation of it like stop trying and make us look at you we're looking at you just play your game man
1: yeah i i couldn't agree more with you at this point. I love that analogy it's so it's so perfect the, fu- the kid who just finds out he's funny that is so so perfectly Arbor jack guy right now and you know i I love that he has that attitude of he he mentioned in a quote earlier this week I think that he sees every game as a tryout to like continue staying with the team and he doesn't take anything for granted and I love that attitude but with that comes the trying to do too much. And sometimes you have to just keep it simple, and it's it's a learning process. And I think for people who love Arber Xhaka, you know, I, I feel like we're, you know, among them. He's obviously brought an element to this team that we haven't seen in a very long time. He has the ability to transform uh, how other teams play against the Canadians, right? Just by his physical presence, it reminds me of like when Milan Lucic first broke in with the Bruins, right? But That's at the same time, he does need to work on some things like his stick positioning when he's on the back check or not going out of his way to make a big hit. And even if he does go to Laval, I always almost say Hamilton. I'm so stuck on like when he used to be the <laughs> Hamilton Bulldogs. That's even too if ago. He... <laughs> I know that it was a John. long time ago. Uh, even if he does go down to Laval, I think the message to him is going to be, you're not going to be there for long. You're going to be a Montreal Canadian again this season. And uh, there's going to be veterans that are moved out here at some point. I feel like... Yeah. Edmondson, I know he's an assistant captain, is uh, not long for the Montreal Canadiens. As soon as Matheson gets back, it's just too many guys.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I'm not against the idea of sending him to Laval. Anyways, I think that this is one of the smartest business decisions this team has done in the past 10 years to bring the, the team to Laval and have them so close and have the possibility of just buying cartopus to everyone and get that metro, that subway ride uh, up to Laval, back to Bell Centre quickly. Uh, so I'm definitely not against it for, uh, for Arbor Um But there is one thing that bothers me, though, uh, about tonight's game. Uh, uh, is it me or the second period is killer for the Habs so far? Oh, like, what, a what is lot. going on in the second period? I, it seems like a pattern so far.
1: It does. I, do they struggle with the long change, maybe? that They're just like giving it so hard that they don't have the energy to make a long change. Like that extra 10 feet is too much for them. I don't know. But it does, it does seem like they lose focus in the second period an awful lot. I know that's the period they've been outscored in the most. I, yeah. I wonder how much of that is, you know, they have scored early a lot. And they kind of like, when you're playing with the lead, things can turn on you, uh, you know. And maybe they're not coming out of the gate ready. Yeah. And they're thinking they're just going to light it up. And in ex- young, inexperienced team. But I feel like the second period was a problem last year as well, I, I feel Although, every period was a problem most of last
0: year. That's a valid point. But I I don't know if... uh, Because, you know, I'm also a a big football guy. And I don't know if this applies as much to hockey. But I was wondering this watching the game tonight. And you know how some coaches, especially uh, coordinators, whether it's offensive coordinators or defensive coordinators, are so good at adjustment. Um, I have a... a The the Cincinnati Bengals defensive coordinator, a master of adjustment. The Bengals come out in the third quarter and look at the stats, the amounts of point and yardage they give is so much less than the rest of the quarter. So I was wondering, is maybe the young uh, Habs coaching group is it something that they might have to learn? Do the other teams come out and go, okay, they're playing like this. They adjust this way in the second period. It works. It takes time for Saint we, and his coaches to go, Oh, they have changed this and try to apply it. And then they get back in the third. I don't know, just food for thought. But it'd be also the coaching and experiment, uh, starting to get in. Cause, uh, You see, I don't know if you saw the viral clip of Tortorella tonight, simply saying, we suck when asked a question on live TV during the game. And at that point, I think it was uh, the Flyers were trailing uh, two to nothing. And like quickly like that, they were back two to two, you know. And like, I'm not the biggest Torts guy in the world, but he is a veteran coach who actually probably is pretty damn good uh, behind the bench to bring adjustment. I know Michel Therrien was a master of behind the bench adjustment, whether it's just shifting your lines throughout a game. I don't know if you remember that during the Therrien era. Like lines would see blender, changes yeah. during a game and you would be like, oh, we have new lines. And you'd be like, oh no, okay, no. It was just because he had a feeling that this guy was going to score three goals if you put him on the first line. It happened, won't happen again. So I don't know, uh, just food for thought. Like I said, maybe the, the inexperiment, uh, uh, inexperimented coaching staff maybe it plays into that, but it's just a uh, suggestion.
1: No, I think it's a very astute observation because not only is St. Louis, for lack of, I mean, I know he coached half of last year, but he's essentially a rookie coach. You know, Stefan Robita is essentially a rookie coach as well. Alex Burrows has been around for a little bit more than a a year, I guess, a a year and a bit. So there's not a ton of experience behind that bench. And that's something that I brought up. I did uh, the PDO cast with Dmitry Filipovich earlier today. And I was talking about, you know, when the Canadians transition from being a rebuilding team into a competitive team, I wonder if these are going to be the assistants that come along with marty saint louis because i assume he's going to be there because at a certain point you may want a little bit more experience and i feel like saint louis is like i'm not saying that he's not an x x's and o's guy but usually your head coach is like you're the motivator right he's the guy that does the pregame speeches he'll talk to guys one-on-one and he'll go through the videos and everything but the strategy on like the penalty kill on the power play the the offensive scheme set plays is usually the assistant coaches. And what we've seen so far from the power play Burroughs hasn't been that successful and the PK, it looks successful on the surface, but that's mostly due to goaltending. Like they're just mad scramble. I will say one thing the team is very good at is when they're doing the mad scramble, they fight really hard in front of the net on the PK.
0: They do, but
1: you don't want to get into the mad scramble all the time.
0: No, no, especially with boats or goalies. Um, i will politely say not expert at controlling rebounds yes you know like the one well the one the main among the many things that made carrie price carry price i'll say it like this one of the things is carrie price was the master of rebound control and staying square after rebound whereas i love jake allen and uh, montanbo's play so far this year but it's basically a trampoline out there and i mean yeah. it's okay like uh, it's totally okay but yeah uh, you're right about the, uh, about the scrambling in front of the net. I have observed that too, about how sometimes when the whole hell break loose, at least there is some form of organized chaos, I guess, is the way I would formulate it. But uh, yeah, definitely is uh, something to look at the, the, uh, the on ice adjustment.
1: Yeah, they, they, they fight hard and that's basically what we w- we all want to see in a, in a rebuilding team, but it hasn't been uh, the perfect situation yet. Uh, all right, uh, we'll probably close it out there. I don't think there's too much more to talk about with that game. Uh, once again, Jake Allen is fantastic, but it won't show up in the numbers for yeah. him. the poor guy. Yeah. But uh, overall, a great lesson taught by the New Jersey Devils, I think, tonight. Uh, thanks, Max, for joining me here for Game Over Montreal. Thanks, everyone, for coming along with this uh it's, it's tough to get people to come in and talk about a loss, right? I feel like with Maple Leafs, everybody wants to commiserate after a loss because they're just a miserable fan base. Habs <laughs> fans want to celebrate stuff, <laughs> right? So we do much better numbers after a win than a loss. But for those who came, our, our, uh, our oh, most loyal yeah, listeners like Noel, like Kay, like Daffy Prod, who I believe is uh, in Europe, uh, Thomas, Sarah Y, Trizak, all of you, thank you so much for joining us after a loss. Oh, three point night for Sean Farrell. Sarah White says, "Yeah, another good prospect for the Montreal Canadiens, worth looking into." And thanks especially to Max for joining us. Before we close things out, Max, tell everybody where they can find you.
0: Uh, catch me on Twitter at Max Vanut, and uh, you can, uh, if you live in Montreal, you can catch me. And you speak French. Course, Uh, even if you don't, even if you don't, it's a great way to learn. Uh, Catch me at BPM Sports, it's on the frequency 91.9. So, BPM Sports is Montreal's French radio uh, sports talk uh, station. So, uh, yeah, catch me there and be sure to uh, subscribe to Andrew's channel and to the uh, SDPM.
1: Perfect. All right, thanks everybody. Again, smash the like button. As uh, Max said, subscribe. And I will say, uh, Noel, before we close out, said there are many great game over guests, and I think the coffee man, Max Van Hoot, just made it into the <laughs> platinum circle. Everybody loves you, Max. So we're going to have to book you on a ton more this season.
0: I love you, too. that will be my pleasure.
1: <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll see you next. Actually, I won't see you on Thursday. It'll be Mark Dumont uh, hosting the show for the first time on his own. I will see you on Saturday. See you then.
0: Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook.